Our Old Testament lesson this morning comes from Psalm 96, verses 1 through 13, which can be found on page 483 in your pew Bibles or page 934 of the large print. Psalm 96, verses 1 through 13, which is the whole psalm. Before we read, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day that you have made. God, we thank you for all that you have made, all that you have given to us. Lord, we thank you for providing what we need. We thank you for the scriptures that we have uh, to read, where you have revealed more clearly who we are than we often like to face up to. And you have revealed more clearly who you are than we can figure out on our own thinking. And Lord, we can see more clearly who Jesus is. As we hear your word read and proclaimed this morning, God, we ask that you would open our ears, that you would give us minds to think and to understand. And God, that you would give us hearts that are ready to receive your good news. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 96. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Praise His name. Proclaim His salvation day after day. Declare His glory among the nations, His marvelous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods, for all the gods of the nations are idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and glory are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, all you families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let the sea resound and all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Let all the trees of the forest sing for joy. Let all creation rejoice before the Lord, for he comes, for he comes. He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. And turning to Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 9. Page 953 in your pew Bibles or 1827 of the large print. And this one very tightly packed section of uh, calls in, in this Bible final exhortations that Paul gives to this church at Philippi. And he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace 
will be with you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, we are breaking from my usual tradition today as we are still in the season of Advent. And as all the children remember, Advent means coming, right? Advent means coming. And it is a time of year where we do prepare for the coming of Jesus again, even as we celebrate his first coming. And so traditionally, during this Advent season, I don't read any of the traditional Christmas stories. Kind of hold off on those until Christmas Eve and then uh, go on from there with with more of the Christmas story as we enter Christmas season. And so, you may have noticed in past uh, Advent of this, this year and previous years, we've covered things from Malachi and from the book of Ruth and from Isaiah and from Micah and all sorts of bizarre places. And I'm sure everybody keeps thinking, why don't we ever talk about Jesus being born during December, before Christmas. And it's because uh, it is this, it's not Christmas season yet, it's Advent season. But today, like I say, I'm breaking with uh, my own tradition, I guess, and we're actually going to read a traditional Christmas story before Christmas. You're pretty excited about that? All right. Now, before we get into the Christmas story... Um, about Christmas songs. I don't know if you all are already sick and tired of hearing Christmas songs this far into December, or if you just get more and more excited about them as they go on. People are a little divided on that. I will tell you, by this time of year, I generally enter... um, I feel both ways about Christmas music at this point. And here's what generally happens. The kind of secular Christmas songs that have everything to do with the word Christmas, that's in there a lot, and so it gets played this time of year, but has nothing to do with Jesus, those songs I get pretty sick of pretty fast. Even if they've got a fun fun melody and good beat and... It's good to dance to, right? But um, even still, over and over, it's, I'm, I've had enough. Because the more I hear them, the more I start listening to the words of what they're saying. And most of those songs have words that go with them that ring about as hollow as the metal trees on the Charlie Brown Christmas special, if you know what I'm talking about. Ding! But... So by this time of year, I'm ready for those to be done. That's great. We'll do those Thanksgiving weekend, and now let's move on to something more meaningful, which is the the Christmas hymns. And not just the ones of old, but even those that have been written more recently. There are good ones around a lot. But all those songs that are really focusing on what Christmas is really all about, the ones that actually are reflecting and meditating on the Christmas story and the birth of Jesus and what that means for us. And the more I listen to those, 
the less I think, hey, I'm done with this. And the more I just want to hear them over and over and over again because of the words that are there. Even though they are so familiar with the tunes and we hear those instrumentally, we hear, I just want to hear the words more and more and more. So, this week, I was struck going through a lot of these songs. Just in my head, I wasn't like looking them up and going through them that way. Um, mostly, anyway. I always have to look up a few of them when I can't remember the words. And I find myself doing the, Hark the Herald of And that's not fun to sing, so then you have to look it up. But anyway... Um, But in my head this week, I knew I was going to be preaching on joy. And I found that every day this week, it seemed like another part of a Christmas song would come into my head that had the word joy or rejoice somewhere in there. Now, I'm not going to take you through all of them because there are apparently a million of them. I never realized how much this goes through there. But for example, you have, O come, all ye faithful joyful and triumphant, right? And then you have, um, let's see, rejoice, rejoice. You know that one? And joy, 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 joy. Maybe less well known. And then, of course, joy to the world, right? It's all over the place. Now, those are the only ones I'm going to share with you right now. You're welcome. But... um, But look for that. Listen for it. Be listening to the words of these songs and how often it is that joy is mentioned. Because one of the things I've noticed is almost every single time it's mentioned, it's referencing the same thing. It's always come back to the same thing. And we hear this word joy, and we wonder what it's about. And we pray it in our prayer of confession, and we say, you know, I I know this is supposed to be a joyful time, and yet I don't feel it. And I wonder if maybe that's because we've forgotten where that joy comes from. So, with that in mind, we're going to take a look at a traditional Christmas story from Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. It should be found on page 832 in your pew Bibles, or something else. 1593 in a large print. Luke has just told us that Mary and Joseph have gone to Bethlehem and the baby has been born. And then it says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Can we pause for just a second? Like I say, this is one of those traditional Christmas stories, and maybe just like the Christmas lyrics of hymns, we've heard them so many times, we just go, la, 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 words, 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 and we don't think about what they mean anymore. But did you hear what just happened? You have shepherds doing what they've been doing day after day, night after night, for years. It's always the same. If you had asked them at the beginning of that night, hey, what do you think tonight's going to be like? They probably would have said, pretty much like yesterday. Pretty much like the day before, like last week, like last month. It's always the same. We go there, watch Steve. You know, sometimes somebody tries to come steal one or sometimes an animal comes and tries to attack. But that's just part of the deal. That's what it is. 
And so we do our shepherding thing. And yet this night was not the same at all. And it's not even like we get much warning. It's not that it says the shepherds were watching and then they heard a strange sound and they all started wondering what in the world was going on. And then they noticed it was getting bright over there and it got closer and closer and they were all one. No, it's just one minute they're watching the sheep. Everything's the same as it's always been. And then like that, an angel appeared and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were excited. No, terrified. They were terrified. And I think part of that comes from the surprise that, hey, we thought we knew what was going on, and apparently we don't know what's going on. But there's also a sense in which they're obviously out of control. This is no longer their element. They had been in their element. I'm a shepherd. These are my sheep. This is what I do. This is what I know. And if I go off somewhere else... eh. Maybe I don't know what I'm doing so much, but here I know what I'm doing. I'm good. And as soon as the angel shows up, instantly out of my element. I no longer know what's going on, why he's here. And uh, by the way, I don't know if you've noticed this, just about every time angels show up in the Bible, the first thing they say is, don't be afraid. Which they wouldn't have to say if people weren't being afraid every time they showed up. Apparently, it's not a warm, fuzzy feeling when an angel shows up. Apparently, when angels show up, that's scary business. Until they say, don't be afraid. So, by the way, if an angel ever does show up and doesn't say, don't be afraid, you should probably be afraid. Okay. Just a tip. Okay. So he says, the angel shows up in the middle of what they were doing. They were terrified, and he says, but the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. So here it is. You're hearing that word again? There's that joy word. So what is this good news that's going to bring great joy for all the people? Here it is. Next sentence. Today, in the town of David... A Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. That's it. Right there. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This is the good news that will bring great joy for all people. Why is this great news? Today in the town of David, is here. Wait a second. Wait a second. Did it just say that This is the Messiah. The Messiah has been born. Do you realize that people have been waiting for this Messiah for centuries? Now, I don't know about in your households, but in ours there are people who have been counting down daily for Christmas. Yes. We have the Christmas countdown and they go in and they change it every day and sometimes they want to change it for two days and no, 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 just one day at a time it'll get here we haven't been waiting for centuries we've been waiting for like two weeks (laughs) and it's almost all they can stand and that is not even for anything 
like what the people had been waiting for. They had been waiting for, for God to solve the problem that we all have. To solve the problem of our being separated from God because of our sin. That's the problem that had been going on since the very beginning of creation. Every single one of us has said to God at some point, Yeah, I know that's your way. I don't want to do it that way. And we go our own way. And then we find ourselves separated from God. And then when we say, well, maybe now I'll try to do better and I'm going to try to get myself back, and we find out that we can't do it. We can't get ourselves back. And that's been the problem from the very beginning. And so God has been making promises to the people from the very beginning, from the day that even initially happened, saying, I will solve this problem. I will send somebody who will make you right with me again. And they've been waiting ever since. And so when the angel shows up to the shepherds in the middle of what they're doing on a regular, everyday night, if you can have an everyday night, the Beatles can have a hard day's night, the shepherds can have an everyday night, right? Sure. And the angel shows up to them and says, Today, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah. He is the one that you have been waiting for for centuries. And it's happened. And it happened when you weren't expecting it to happen. And it happened in a place where you might not have thought to look for him. But it's happened. And it's happened now. God has kept his promise. And he has sent the Savior, the Messiah, the Lord. Okay, this is the good news. This is what will bring great joy to all the people. But he continues. He says, this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. No big deal probably to find a baby. Even one wrapped in cloths. Sure, that happens. But it's that lying in a manger part. That's got to throw them. Wait, didn't you just say this was the Savior? Didn't you just say this was the Messiah, the one that we've been waiting for forever? I mean, it was weird enough that you said he was in the town of David, that he's in Bethlehem, this tiny little town, instead of somewhere more important, a bigger city, perhaps. So it's weird that the Savior has come to Bethlehem, but now you say he's actually in a manger? In a feeding trough? That's not where babies go. That's weird. Shepherds don't ask, at least it doesn't record that they ask anything like that. But you can certainly see how that would be a sign if they were to find a baby actually there. But they don't get to respond because suddenly something else happens. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. And by the way, when it says a great company of the heavenly host, that's a military term. We often think of the great choirs of angels. hear about those in the hymns. Sing choirs of angels. And that's because we see them here singing. But they weren't assembled as a choir. They're assembled in a military sense. A large number of angels heavenly warriors who show up. Maybe that's why people are all the time afraid when they show up. But they don't come to fight. They come to praise God. 
Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. This is the proper response, by the way. Praise and glory to God. It says, When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. That makes sense. It would be pretty weird if an angel showed up and said, This has happened right over there. And then the angels leave, and the shepherds go, Well, that was weird. Hail back to the sheep. No, they say, this is nearby. That's right over there. This is what we've been waiting for forever. It would be crazy to sit here and not go check this out. Let's go. Let's see if we can find this baby in a manger. So they hurried off. They didn't wait. They hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. Guess that's him. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. So it's happening already. The great joy to all people. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. They go and see. Sure enough, it's exactly what the angels had told them. And so on their way back, back to the fields, back to the sheep, back to where they'd come from, they're going to go do the same thing they've been doing every night, but not in the same way. Now they're doing it glorifying and praising God because they understand that that God has actually intervened on their behalf. That he has come to them. The shepherds were not the most important people of the day. In fact, they were kind of looked down upon. But not by God. God says, this is who I'm coming to. This is who I'm going to share my message with. And so they go back. After seeing that it is so, that God has acted on behalf of his people. And they go back praising and glorifying God. You know, often we ask people, what do you want for Christmas? Right? You may have asked that already to somebody this year. You may have been asked that by other people this year. What do you want for Christmas? And we make out our lists of what we want. And nobody ever asks... What do you really need for Christmas? What do you really need as a person? And here's where the issue of joy comes in. We have list after list after list of all the things we want. And often, we look to the things on those lists thinking, if I get that, I will get joy. If I only have more of this or one of those, then I will find joy. And we turn these things into idols. And we read in Psalm 96 
that even though we praise these things, we worship these things, they're not gods and they can't give us what we really need. But God can give us what we really need. And that is what he gave us in Jesus. And when Jesus was born and God spread the message to the shepherds through the angels, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. The proper response was joy. Because the deepest need they really had was going to be met. And it was a sure thing. And they go and they check it out. And then they are even praising and glorifying God all the more because it was just as he said. And so if they see exactly what it is that he's already done, they have complete confidence moving forward that he will be the one to save them. That he is the Messiah. That he is the Lord. That this is Jesus meaning the Lord, the Lord saves. He is Emmanuel, meaning God with us. We read in Philippians where Paul said, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. And I told you I noticed that in all the songs it just keeps coming back, this rejoice, rejoice, and joy, 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 and all those sort of things. And it makes me think, maybe there's a reason Paul had to say it twice. Maybe if he just said, rejoice in the Lord always, and then moved on from there, we thought, well, that's kind of an optional thing. Maybe I will, maybe I won't, but I'll do some of these other things. And so he says, rejoice in the Lord always. You know, maybe you didn't get it the first time. I will say it again. Rejoice. And even in the songs, you hear it repeated a number of times. Maybe that's because we've got, we've got our priorities set wrong. We have our joy meter tuned in to the wrong frequency. And so we're expecting something else to bring us joy besides Jesus. Listen to this. This comes from Augustine, from his Confessions. If it sounds a little different than how you may have heard it before, it's a newer translation that takes out all the V's and vowels and uses uh, language more like we would use it. He says to God, You stir us so that praising you may bring us joy because you have made us and drawn us to yourself and our heart is unquiet until it rests in you. Did you hear that? You stir us so that praising you may bring us joy because you have made us and drawn us to yourself and our heart is unquiet until it rests in you. That passage we read from Philippians, something that Paul wrote while in prison and the entire letter talks about having joy even in the midst of suffering. I want you to know, if you are here today and you are going through a season of suffering and you hear all this talk about joy and think, well, that's not for me right now. Maybe after I get through this. Maybe sometime later on. I want you to know, 
nothing else. Take a look at the book of Philippians. Joy even in the midst of suffering. But there is a joy that is offered that comes not in having all of our circumstances right, but being right with God and knowing that who he is and what he has done for us in Jesus and what he will do in the future is something that can give us cause to praise him forever. And it's through that praising of him that we actually find real joy. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And now let's stand and affirm what we believe.